Hi, I'm Kiki. And I'm Kemi. And you're listening to Your Advisors Will See You Now, a podcast that will help you to figure out all of your options for life after high school. Hey, everyone, and thank you for listening in to another episode of Your Advisors Will See You Now. If you are now listening in, we are doing a long, long, long career series where we are interviewing people in different careers. And today I have the honor to interview my friend Emily. We've been friends since kindergarten. Like, this has been a long time. (laughs) So um, I'm just so thankful to be able to interview her today. She works in the film industry and she's going to break down how she got there and what she does. So we're just really excited to um, speak with her today. So I'll hand it off to her. And Emily, we will begin with what exactly is your title? Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Emily Croak, and I am a production coordinator uh, in film and television production. Hmm. So can you, like, tell us what that is? Tell us what that is. (laughs) Some days I don't even know what I do. (laughs) It's kind of, it's it's funny because in this industry, it's so dependent on, like, the group of people you're working with. Um, So there are definitely consistencies with my job. Then there are other things that on like every different show, I'm like, I have never had to do that before or like have never heard of whatever I'm dealing with right now. But for the most part, this job traditionally came out of like back school, um, like 30 plus ago, um, back when like it was primarily like done in California, only like location shows weren't as big of a thing the production office was a bit different so i pretty much i run the production office but not the way it was like when it first started where like you were more of just like a temp worker uh like back in the day like just kind of like just doing office related stuff nowadays it's more Basically under, it depends on the show again, but um, I work under the producers, uh, the production manager, and if they have one on a given show, the production supervisor. And I pretty much, I'm a department head, so I run two facets of production. It's a little, actually three technically. It's a little bit hard to explain because there's like the production office, there's like on set production with like the ADs and the assistant directors and all of that. Um, And then there's just like, that hovers over like everything of production which is like the producers all that um for sure i pretty much work under the producers um and i work the thing that this is one of the things i love about it is um i work directly like with each department is like you could go into props or something and they're gonna have you know like in college and special it's very uh sorry (laughs) it's very very this is also my office assistant ralph um (laughs) apartments will like specialize primarily on you know like props or something like that i do have my hands in each department to an extent um again that depends entirely on like who you're working with what show all that interesting i definitely there's another thing we can talk about about how school helps um with my job just knowing like all of the basics of like each department like knowing equipment knowing you know like shot design stuff like that um i used to say when i worked on like smaller budget and like crazier shows i always say i'm the one who gets to go out in the world and execute the producer's bad decisions 
It's a lot of times it's like I am the messenger. Um, so I'm just constantly the one like looking ahead, checking in with like all the departments, um, seeing like what their needs are going to be for like a given scene or like upcoming work. Um, that and I deal with, I deal with the studio or whichever studio we're working with at a given time. I deal with them and kind of the point person between uh, the casting crew and the studio. And then I also work with the cast um, pretty much for the most part. More before they get, uh, like, to wherever we're shooting, um, I pretty much am the one, like, working with, like, getting them there, getting them all set up. I do a lot of, like, the contract stuff, um, all that fun stuff. But, yeah, it totally, it differs on every show. Uh, and one of the other fun things about my job is I'm the one who gets to deal with all the problems. So, <laughs> Something happens at two o'clock in the morning. I am the one that gets the call to figure it out. And it never ceases to amaze me <laughs> how random some of the problems can be. And also just like how creative we still get to be in like solving a lot of problems. It's one thing a lot of people are like, well, like you don't get to do like as much of the creative stuff. And like, no, we don't like we don't get to like design like the look of the the sets and stuff like that but we do have our hands in like so many aspects wow. of that and you know yeah. especially when there's like a problem that arises like say a vendor can't get thing here in time like that's where we step in and like make it happen so there is a lot of things on screen still yeah so something i was going to ask you is it sounds like your job as a producer you do a large part of management because you're trying to collaborate with these other departments you kind of it sounds like you have the overall vision of how everybody connects and when things don't flow properly it kind of goes back to you to troubleshooting is that kind of correct yeah yeah in a way definitely I think it's important to know like and also this goes along with what I just said with the creative aspect I'm not necessarily involved in you know if the director's like I want this like if they whatever it is that they want for like whatever look they're going for. Sometimes they can have ideas that are a little bit over the top, but that's when I will come in. Whereas, you know, whichever department or departments are involved, if it's something that's a bit more like out of the ordinary, like uh, the show that I just finished uh, in Tucson before this, we had a lot of uh, like car chases and stunts and explosions and car crashes and stuff that, I don't. I, I know I'll I'll deal with again, but it's it's a lot of it was very stressful, just like with the safety aspect, but stuff like that where I, you know, the director is like, here's my vision for the way like I want the scene to look, this this uh, like race car crash sequence to go, and I'm the one who uh, pretty much will like then I had to find this like specialty vendor, um, not fine, they're like pretty well known, but like there's one vendor out of California who is pretty much like the number one go-to for a lot of like that car uh, stuff. And I, I mean, I learned so much just on this last one, like I knew this for six years and like a lot of the stuff that I learned like on just that show, like I never knew existed. Like uh, when they do these car chase scenes and stuff, there's this whole, uh, it's, it's insane. It's this whole rig, it's called a biscuit rig. And it literally, basically it's like, um, like a steak bed, uh, and there's two of them side by side. And like, that's how they get the shots. Like the crew is literally just on this like steak bed thing. And they have like a makeshift car. That's like a little bit higher mm -hmm. so that they can like get everything that they need from like different angles. Um, and it's just so cool. Like things like that, that I'm like, oh my God, I never knew 
how they did that and now I do. Yeah. And you know all crazy. the magic behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Yes. It is so cool. It is pretty cool. So I guess so I guess let's No, oh sorry. I keep cutting you. <laughs> no, you're fine. So I guess oh, let's go back a little bit to how you got into the film industry, like what you did for school. Cause I know um what I love about your story so much is you did something else in undergrad and then you totally switched um into your master's program, which is how you would led to what you're doing now. Um, yep. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your story. So, yeah, so I was always the one growing up who, you know, I loved to put my friends in front of the camera, but I never, I never thought of it as like an actual career um, for like a number of reasons. Like back then I thought, you know, you have to like move out to LA, all that. That wasn't something that I really wanted being from the East Coast. But I ended up when I was in college, I went to undergrad for psych and I was also at the time minoring in history. And I... As Kemi, as Kemi knows, I lost my dad the week before I started college mm. in 2008. So it was definitely for me, it was, it was a weird time because like all the friends that I had like grown up with, like everyone was like starting college and like got all this like, you know, like new fun stuff that like, like rite of passage. And I was just like, I don't even know what's going on with my life right now. Mm. But that ultimately I think presented some opportunities for me that I never would have realized or like taken like the chance to give a try um, and until like all of that happened. So for me, I ended up just by chance taking a film class as uh, one of my fine arts electives. And I just fell in love with it. Like it just became such an outlet for me, just, just for a number of reasons, just like to get to be creative and just, I think this goes back to also like, my studies in psychology just like seeing like how fascinating it is like the different things that you can do whether it be you know through sound through visuals through you know so many different areas um of how you can tell a story and get people to really listen to something that you know they might not otherwise know about um which is actually I ended up staying in psychology for undergrad um, and I minored in film, but I ended up doing like my big um, like thesis project in undergrad with my psych major in uh, basically like how various stimulus uh, like in like film and television and or I actually did this one with a play, um, but how that can impact people's perception of um, risk of medical error and mm -hmm. just kind of how, you know, like how people can be better educated through like not directly through like here's this discovery type like tv show where it's like this happens mm -hmm. and this happens but just in a way where it's like so you're hearing more terminology like you're familiarizing yourself a bit more with it um stuff like that and it just fascinated me so i ended up uh after i finished uh undergrad kind of took a year off and i'd always planned on still going to grad school uh, anyways, yeah, so I ended up taking a year off before I went back to grad school because um, I just really wasn't sure. Like, I'd heard a lot of people say, you know, you don't need to go to school for film. But for me, it was like, I planned on it anyway. And I'm, I don't know, I felt like I wasn't really like 100% ready for like real world work. And also the biggest thing that drew me towards going back to school uh, to go into film was with the degree, the degree I ended up getting, which is a master's in fine arts, I can actually teach college. Um, cool. So that was one of the biggest things that kind of pushed me towards going back to grad school was that, okay, like if 
I, I've heard this industry is super hard and like crazy hours. At least I'll have something that I can fall back on if either I get sick of it or like don't like it or whatever. So that was one of the biggest reasons. And I ended up going to grad school uh, at Savannah College of Art and Design. Scared. They're, uh, <laughs> yep, their <laughs> film and television program. And it's funny because like, even if you look at like, a lot of the people in my starting class, I think there's only like two of us who are still working in the industry. Oh, um, wow. And if you talk to like a lot of my friends, like they'll say like, I feel like it was a waste, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I've always, and from the beginning at when I was started at SCAD, look, I always looked at it as like, you will get out of something what you put into it. So I just tried to not only look at it from like the academic perspective, but also look at it from like networking. So I worked like every weekend I was on a film set. Um, I got to know like a lot of undergrads really well. And I actually, my second year um, in film school, I actually ended up producing one of the senior thesis films for, uh, his name is Noah Sterling. He Ended up going to undergrad for SCAD and then ended up going back uh, for their motion media grad program. But he now, um, we've done a couple shorts and commercials together now. He's doing great. He has, uh, I think I think it had two seasons. He had a show with Marvel that he like animated. Oh, cool. He's done music videos for like Doja Cat. Uh, tons of people. Like he, he does some cool stuff. Um, but it's stuff like that where like I just tried to completely like just make as many friends as I could and like get mm. to know as I could. I could it totally helps especially now that we're getting to the point where like we've all been in the industry for like several years where it's like okay i need someone who like is a vfx person so i have one of my like roommates from my first year who now she's super been super successful she lives in vancouver so like i can call her anytime and be like hey like i need x y and z like do you know of someone who knows someone so, I mean, again, like, I definitely think it's a lot of, you know, just taking full advantage of everything and just, like, learning as much as I could and, and all that. Yeah. So, that was... I had so much fun in grad school. It was, it was, just, it was, it was awesome. And it's, it's funny, too, like, now, having worked in this industry for several years, it's just funny looking back at it, at how, in many ways, like, naive we were, but also in how many ways, like, there were a lot of things, I think, that we learned that helped know like as you like move forward in your career and and also just I think one of the biggest things that people overlook that you do have the opportunity to learn in film school just how to given whatever role that you have like on like a like film especially like a student film set like whether you're a producer or director or whether you're like a grip which a grip is one of the people who work in the grip department under the key grip and they're the ones who help like rig everything um, get like a lot of like the equipment like set up. Um, they they I mean they do like all different stuff, but just stuff like that. I think it's helpful where you're kind not learning your place, but learning like okay on this one I may not have what seems like like one of like the most important roles, but like I think a lot of kids don't fully realize like how actually important literally every role is, like, no matter how big or small. Like it takes every person on a show to get that job done. I think that's really something that gets overlooked a lot, but is helpful. Um, and also it's, you know, like learning the give and take of that where it's like, yeah, like you may not be able to be the director on like this one project, but people are always watching and people, you know, are definitely paying attention to how much of yourself and like how much you're just willing to give for like a given project. And that, those are the ones 
For example, um, I actually, when I was in Tucson, we had one PA uh, who was just, he was just amazing. Like we just loved him. He just, we, my uh, assistant coordinator, Jocelyn, she puts it best. We could ask him to jump off of the roof. He'd be like, (laughs) okay, but if I jump from this angle, here's what's going to happen. Then if I do it from this angle instead, we could have this as the outcome. Like, it doesn't matter what you ask him to do. Like, he is just wants to be there to get the job done. I will say that's something that has now becoming harder and harder to find with the, with the younger kids. And I hate to sound like mm-hmm. my grandparents. But, um, but him, for example, like, he totally, 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 like, proved himself to us. And it's like, you just want to, like, you see the ones like that. And, like, you just want to do whatever you can do to help them make it, too. Um, so I'm actually, he's actually going to be coming out with us for our next show that we're going to be starting in August. And uh, he's just going to live with me. I was like, take long showers. Just like, pay me that. I don't care. Like, it's fine. Like, you <laughs> you just have so much potential, like, over here now. <laughs> That's so awesome. So it's stuff like that where it's like, you know, everyone's always watching, whether it be on the smaller set, a big set, no matter what your role, and people notice that. Um, so take initiative, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, so. is that usually how it works? So I know everyone, you say everyone, sometimes you're starting like at a smaller role, but you said you had that PA that you all noticed his work. So is that usually how it happens? Like you see somebody, you see their ethic, and you're like, I want them for my next project. Is that kind of how it works? Just like for me, that's- next projects or... I think yeah for me that's definitely how it works although i will say it's and it's frustrating like there are the people who do the bare minimum and do nothing and Mm. still somehow get ahead but i've found even those people like eventually it definitely catches up to them like you can only have that facade going for so long um i mean yes and no i would say there are people who i'd say it's more who you know there are some people who their perception of like what someone is doing might not necessarily be like the same as my perception of what someone is doing. Um, but for the most part, like, yeah, if you, if you're just willing to like work hard and get your hands dirty, like people are going to notice that. And I mean, that's pretty much the, how I was able to move up pretty quickly. was like, I was willing to do whatever, like in, when I first started, like it wasn't about, to be paid like this much like i look at my first movie that i actually coordinated it was of course non-union but i look back at it now and i look at like how many departments jobs i was doing on that show and like the insane like 20 hour days i was working i knew so little back then but it's like i was literally getting paid on that show less than what a traditional like production assistant will make on like the kind of show i'm working now and it was just like i wanted to do whatever to prove myself and from like starting out with like some smaller like budget projects like that, like people definitely noticed. And there's been a couple uh, production managers who were fantastic and kind of like took me under their wing and like taught me things. And if it weren't for them giving me the chance, like to just work as hard as I could, uh, no, I it would have been a lot harder to get to where I am right now. Mm-hmm. So there are good ones out there. <laughs> Uh, so I know like you were mentioning a lot of your friends and a bunch of different roles that they did. So when you were at SCAD, I guess like, can you kind of just give us a light layout of all the different roles and opportunities that are out there in film, like being a producer, sound effects? Because even I know 
I went down like a rabbit hole on YouTube and I was watching this mm-hmm. guy who literally their one job was sound, but however, the sound was in the props and his duty was to make sure that the sound was so muted that it didn't get picked up by microphones. So I didn't know that there was even an intricate job within another intricate job. So mm-hmm. can you kind of just tell us about the different roles that are out there and if you can get that through education or how does that, uh, do people just start their own side hustles for some of these things and that's how they become vendors? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So, okay. So a couple things. So I think one of the most important things to keep in mind about this industry is there's no one way to do anything. There's no one way to get to a specific job. Um, there's really, and that's what I like about it is there's so much opportunity for you to, again, just be creative and like find different ways in and just never really don't like necessarily listen to anyone who's like, no, you like have to do this, then this, then this, like, it's not linear like that in this industry. But on set, and again, this really depends on what the project is, the size of the project, the buzz, the budget of the project. Um, but going to like the most basic level, I would say if we're looking at like a student film type thing. And again, this differs because I mean, I've had some student films where there's been like four or five of us that have done the whole thing. Like, and I'll be producing and I'll be holding like the the boom also. And mm. not, maybe not so much anymore. I'm a little too out of shape for that <laughs> to be holding. <laughs> the boom pole up in the air for that long but um on the most basic level typically what you'll have is you'll have like your producer so they're the one who pretty much oversees the project from beginning to end and just keeps everyone moving forward and secures the funds and just keeps everything like organized and and within budget and all that it makes like a lot of the big decisions um you have your director who it's a little bit different with film and television that just in terms of the amount of like creative control a director has in film, ultimately they have the creative control in television. It's not necessarily them. It's really the showrunner typically. And, but, but again, like going back to student films, it's like typically the director's going to be one with like the creative uh, control over something. And then you have your director of photography. So that's the person who is basically the director of camera department, uh, the grip department, electric department, basically everyone who through like gear and, and machinery and like stuff like that, basically they're responsible for creating the look, uh, like visually, like with the, like the lighting and all of that, there's that. And then there's also, uh, the production designer who's responsible for taking the director's vision and translating that basically, the set designs, which also goes hand in hand with the lighting and, and all that. They have underneath them, they'll be like the prop master, set decorator, um, various jobs. And then, and this depends on the content of the show, but sometimes you'll have like stunts and special effects, um, which spe- special effects is honestly one of my favorite, favorite, favorite departments. It's just fascinating. I would be horrible at it. But one of the one of my favorite special effects coordinators that I actually worked with, uh, he was one of the special effects guys on, of all things, Die Hard. Like he's been in this business longer than I've been alive. Um, he, when I first met him, this was a year ago. He introduced himself by walking into my office, and he goes, "Hi, I'm Dennis Dion, the uh, special effects coordinator. As you can see, I have all of my fingers on each hand, so you're 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 in good hands." <laughs> and I was like. Oh my God, I already love this guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of people will say like special effects was kind of child of all the tasks that no one else wanted. Hmm. Um, but 
mainly primarily between stunts and props, but I don't like to look at it like that. Like to me, they're the ones who they get to do all the explosions. They get to do all the, you know, just all the cool stuff. Even just little things like if you want like a little bit of like haze in a scene where um, they'll use like the like fog machine, stuff like that. Like they're the ones who do that. Even little things that you wouldn't necessarily think of being like, oh, that's how they do that. Like they're usually behind the scenes doing a lot of that. And then from there, there's also your post team, which it again depends on the show, whether they're going to be on set with you or sometimes there, there will be a representative on set. Other times they're just completely like remote in California or wherever they are. Um, but they pretty much are the ones who are taking the footage and just taking it from there and organizing it, editing it. And it's just crazy to me just seeing, having like worked on some shows where I am at least to an extent involved in, in, in seeing the like final cuts and everything or, or various cuts to seeing like how many different ways they can yeah just edit something to just completely change like. It just sometimes I've seen cuts that are just so different. It feels like they're telling a completely different story. Like it's so cool. Mm. And that I actually, there's so much in post that I honestly don't know a lot about because I've never worked uh, specifically in post, but I typically work uh, in the pre-production portion and then like the actual production itself. Mm. Post is a whole different beast that I don't know too much about, but at least a little bit. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Yeah. So I guess another question I could, I'm thinking for like the viewer's sake, you were talking about being union and not union. Can you give them a little understanding Mm -hmm. of what that is and what they should look for if they want to enter the film business? Yes. So in, um, in typical film production, there are several different unions. More of a loaded question in terms of like how the different ones like break up into different like subgroups of like their locals and stuff like that. Um, but pretty much the primary unions uh, in film and television are going to be uh, SAG, which is the Screen Actors Guild. Um, so they're the ones who are responsible for the actors, stunts. Um, sometimes they'll, if there are singers or dancers, like sometimes they'll uh, fall under that. But they pretty much do all of, like the on-screen talent. And then not background. Sometimes background, the like the extras and stuff, sometimes they will be uh, union. But I've never actually been on a show here in or anywhere else that I've worked where they have had union background. Um, but SAG also does cover those depending on the show. Um, and then there's the DGA, which is the Director's Guild. So they're uh, the ones that basically represent the production managers, um, the directors, first assistant directors, second assistant directors, so on and so forth. Which for my job, we're always there's always a little bit of saltiness there because basically... We, uh, as production coordinators, we fall under IATSE, which is another union, which covers a lot of the, like, below-the-line staff, which is, like, your camera people, your grips, your electrics, uh, your, like, script supervisor, props, costumes, stuff like that. For us, we get a little salty because we're, like, we're literally having to correct, like, half of the DGA people's work because it's just consistently wrong. Like, how do they get paid four times more than us? That's again, like that doesn't mean just because you didn't come up like as an assistant director doesn't mean you know you won't be able to make it to being a production manager someday. Anyways, yeah. So those are three of the big ones, and then the other ones. There's also the Teamsters, which they are pretty much like transpo and locations. And yeah, I never knew that just your everyday you know 
truck drivers had as much of a pull in the film and television industry as they do until I worked here. Wow. Uh, never, ever, ever. We'll always want to be on your transpo coordinator's good side. <laughs> Nowhere to hide the bodies <laughs> in like more ways than one. <laughs> so you don't want to mess with them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so those are the big ones that pretty much cover everything. And then the only other one that I didn't mention, which I only, it depends, again, depends on the show, but I don't have to deal with too, too much is the Writers Guild. I only usually have to deal with them just for like some script stuff at times in the beginning of a show. Um, but for the most part, our work with them is, uh, is a lot of times done by the time we get to like our portion of uh, like prep and production. So they're pretty easy, but those are pretty much the primary um, unions that we deal with. So, Emily, I'm looking at your IMDb, which is it's cool that you even have an IMDb. You have an IMDb. It's, it's weird. That's- yeah, no, that's really cool. I just, looked at, I just looked up your name and I was like, yes, she's on here. So <laughs> my question, and I'm seeing you've done, this is maybe more my curiosity, but could help somebody listening too. I see that you've done reality television too. Yes. Is, is, is opposite of reality like fiction? Is that what they call it? They call it like narrative for the most part. Narrative. Okay. Oh, how how do how do your roles as a production coordinator differ oh. from like a reality show to narrative? It's actually a really good question because uh, my roles between the two are completely different. Okay. I mean, there are some similarities, but for the most part, uh, the reality shows I've worked on, I am actually on set, and I'm kind of more of the. It's more of like a hybrid job be- because they're. Because reality is just so run and gum with like a very small crew, um, they're taking on more roles in different capacities. So when I'm working on like a reality show as a production coordinator, my job is more hybrid between an actual production coordinator, uh, production manager slash supervisor, and one of the like assistant directors. Because I'm pretty much having to play like all of those roles, whereas I'm having to make sure like we're following the schedule, staying on time, not running too late for like lunch or like meal breaks and stuff like that. So we're not hitting meal penalties. And honestly, kind of just an adult babysitter, like <laughs> having to deal with all the problems with like crazy people who see like, Oh my God, there's a camera crew and like want to get weird. Mm-hmm. There's some people who get really weird and I'm like, guys, and then look at nasty, especially some of the reality shows I've worked on where it's like first season, so no one knows the people. They'll like be total jerks, just random people on the street, and be like, "Oh my god, like what are they feeling? What are they filming?" And then they'll see the people, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's like no one famous, whatever." Oh my goodness, like, dude, ew, just just mind oh, your own business. Yeah, just keep um, going. <laughs> right, um, but yeah. So for the most part, there are a lot of differences. Mainly, whereas when I'm on a reality show, like I'm out in the field every day. Um, mm-hmm. not as much like on the narrative productions, whether it be like film or television, I'm, I, I do go to set and I can go to set, but like my job, I can pretty much do it from my office and or anywhere, especially with like how remote everything has gotten. But yeah, I'm more, I'm not so much like a presence on set as a production coordinator in, in narrative. I'm more of kind of behind the scenes, always floating around somewhere. Um, and always accessible. <laughs> there are other people to basically be the babysitters of the crew, not me. So I guess my next question would be, what are some of your highlights of this career? And then what are some of like, I don't want to say like, you know, the cons or like, what are some of the obstacles that can be 
a little bit of mm-hmm. an issue time to time. I would have to say the pros or like the things that the, the highlights are definitely for me. I just love being, and I'm totally a people person. Um, and I will say after a little while, like sometimes you have to take a step back in this job because you're just constantly dealing with problems to the point where it's like, oh my God, I just, I don't like people right now <laughs> and I don't want to be around people and whatever. But overall, I like, I just, one of the biggest things that I love about this job is being the one that makes things happen. And even when things just seem like it's something that could just completely like derail the show and like shut whatever we're working on down in the moment don't don't get me wrong in the moment when i'm dealing with it i'm not a happy camper but ultimately like once you get all that done it's like such a cool feeling like oh my god like we literally made that happen um which is just a great feeling especially to just getting to work with like different creatives and people who've just done some crazy big like projects themselves and all that um it's, it's really cool and very rewarding in a strange way <laughs> um but i have to say highlights highlights in terms of like some of my favorite stories or like for for being um a producer in general what do you think is like the best part of producing and then what do you think is some of like the crazy parts of producing oh because i remember some time one time you said they'll call you maybe in like early in the morning and then you have to kind of okay. solve the issue i'd say for me the favorite part is constantly getting to work with different people and having different challenges that are always new i i don't know like i look at people who jobs were the like the teachers where they're like in the same classroom for 30 years and like that thought terrifies me and for me that's what i love about this is every show is just so different um especially like a good example we did two hallmark movies like four years ago back to back i remember you told me that and yeah, the only things that changed for the most part on the between the two shows were our uh, production designer and our uh, production manager both changed. It's just crazy to me how you can like take two pieces of the puzzle out and then like replace them with other pieces and how completely mm-hmm. different it just makes the whole thing look. Like it felt like a completely different show. And like the majority, like 90% of the crew was all the same, but it just felt completely different. But yeah, for me, I'd say the highlight is definitely being able to always have something new that you haven't done before and never really knowing what to expect. And you're kind of always on your toes, which is fun. It just always keeps things for me exciting. Um, and I feel like you don't feel as much like you're getting stuck in just the day to day, like same routine. thing all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, because I mean, you can have in my office you can have a day where it's like everything is going routine like you get there you start sending out the morning distro which is like all the paperwork from the day before on set like sound reports camera reports stuff like that and then all of a sudden you'll get a call and it'll be like I need blah 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 uh, and I actually just had this happen last month we had on the show that I'm working on right now we had it was just insane it was a crazy schedule with like moves every day so, like, there wasn't really ability for the the cast and crew to really get, like, into any routine on this block that we were filming. We had a location that was two hours outside of Atlanta. And, of course, the actors, one by one, they were, well, this isn't, was not my decision, but they let them stay at a cabin, like, eight of them together in the woods. 
you're already working crazy hours where it's like 12, you know, hours a day, like not including hair and makeup and like getting ready and all that. And then they were going, I don't know if it's true, but I have a sneaky suspicion they were going home and having a little bit too much fun living together at the, at the cabin. I don't know. But they all started getting sick. And of course, COVID has drastically changed the way we do things in this industry. So I get a call, you know, just again, like routine day, nothing crazy happening. And I get a call that I need to find a concierge doctor to come out to the lake two hours outside of Atlanta to um, <laughs> do uh, checkups on a bunch of our top crew because, or our t- top cast because they're not oh. feeling well. And they want to rule out COVID. Everybody had bronchitis. So, no. <laughs> uh, no, they ended up, uh, they all tested negative, but it was a whole big to do because the basically the first doctor that I had come out was like, I've, this is right around the time. Um, what, what's the new, not Omicron. What, I think it was like an offshoot strain of, of the, of like Omicron. And basically okay. the doctor was saying like, she'd been seeing that week, like a lot of like false negatives. Mm-hmm. So she didn't want to rule it out as COVID. Cause she was like, I have just seen several others this week and I don't necessarily want to, I don't want to say the test isn't picking up COVID, but I also like, we just don't know enough right now. So I don't want to say it's not. It was just a whole pain and very expensive to have to find a doctor to drive two hours. But anyways, yeah, just stuff like that where it's like, it was going to be a good day. And then (laughs) (laughs) find some crazy task. So, yeah. So I actually have another question too. So I know, like you said, a lot of, Great opportunities is by networking, and that's how you can find other spots on other mm-hmm. jobs. So, for people that work in the industry, do if someone's looking for a job, can you look on Indeed for that? Is there different like specific job boards for that? Where do you look for you know, jobs? So it's funny. Uh, one of my actually one of the reality shows that I got um, married at first sight. When I did the first season. I ended up taking over for someone else who left. Um, and I, this was God, what four, five, five years ago now. I think at the time I was, I had been working on uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. I ended up leaving that show a bit early because I was supposed to be going on to another one, like in a higher role um, that was coming into town. And basically, we started on that one, and then we went on like this two week hiatus while they were like doing some logistics with it. And then we ended up getting the call that it was they were just canceling it. So I'd left a job. That was the first time I'd ever like left a show for another one, um, which you always have to be very judicious with because obviously like it, everyone knows everyone. So it's, you know, you don't want to be known as that person who like, oh, my God, like she left in the middle of a show. You know, I ended up getting two more calls for shows that were supposed to come into town like over like the next month. And they ended up not happening either. So this was like the first time where I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't know what to do. Like running out of money and I had gone home uh back to Rhode Island just uh because one of the hurricanes that had come through I don't even remember which one it was at this point but um I ended up going home and just by chance I ended up on staff me up they they will have like a lot of like reality gigs on there I ended up seeing this post that there was like an AMC show and they were looking for or I'm sorry no it was A&E and they were looking for a production coordinator so I was just like, well, what's the worst that can happen? I'll just send them my resume. And I ended up getting a call. And of course, there I am thinking like, oh, my God, like, I wonder if it's like intervention or like, you know, <laughs> one of those cool shows 
or like the first 48, even though I don't think they ever did a season of the first 48 in Boston. I was like, maybe it's the first one. I don't know. And then they call and the production manager is like, so you probably heard of the show. It's uh, called Married at First Sight. And I'm just like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. What am I getting myself into? Um, but I ended up taking that one and I ended up doing two seasons with them. Um, and it, it was so much fun. It was just, it was just so cool. Like I didn't realize until working on that show that they actually get married. I remember one day I was just, uh, organizing files and on the drive, I ended up seeing a folder that said marriage license. And I said to the UPM Jordan, I was like, Jordan, I was like, wait, this they is like, real? really get married. And he's like, yeah, and if they get divorced, they really get divorced. I didn't know <laughs> so that like, either. Oh, my God. Because you mm-hmm. would think, like, even even for me, like, I'd worked in the industry at that point for a couple of years. And even for me, like, I know a lot of it is, you know, it's all, like, smoke and mirrors. So I didn't actually think, but they actually really do get married. Like, no joke married. And that was because I came into that season a bit later. Uh, I came about, like, halfway through. So the next season, I got to go through the whole process from beginning. Um, like, just the big, like casting calls and stuff and like meeting people and like seeing them whittle it down to the last six which was just so cool because it's like you you start to like you know get, like have relationships with these people especially the ones that like are in like the top 10 and like so on and so forth towards the end and you're like oh man like I'm really like rooting for this one like I really want this one to be able to get the chance and you know it doesn't always work out the way you want it wow so you thought I'd be doing <laughs> you said the staff the job board that you look up was called staff up was yeah yeah it's called staff me up that is the only job that i've ever gotten from there um but for the most part in the door in 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 this industry when i started like full-time i was in savannah i just finished school getting in is people who you know who've graduated ahead of you who are like working as production assistants being like hey like do they ever like need anyone to like be a and like work for the day blah 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 um them helping you out and then just networking like the film office getting to know them really well and then like going they'll have like a lot of like events like crew mixers stuff like that and then it's basically just like talking to everyone you know and then when like the film office has new projects coming in like a lot of times they'll post like hey this show is crewing up send your resumes to blah 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 so my first full-time job i actually got um it was the winter of 2016 um and worked like i day played on a couple of shows uh like while i was still in school and like commercials and stuff um but i'd never done anything like full-time like as a production assistant um so i saw the, the post for that show um and i ended up sending my resume in and at the time i was actually in the air at that point whether i wanted to move to new york or atlanta but i the Guild, they have a program called the DGA trainee program. My professors are really pushing me towards doing. So basically, when you want to work your way up to be an assistant director, you start as a production assistant. And if you want to be DGA, ultimately, you have to get, I think it's 300 uh, days within like, it's like two years or something. It's it's like you, you basically like you, there's no time off. Like you need to have like this many days of work as the production assistant on set within this time frame. And like, if you don't have it, you got to just keep working to get like the number of days in before you can start to apply. So the trainee program basically takes you on as a trainee. They take like, it's like three to five people every year, I think something like that. Um, and basically 
you'll work as a trainee on set. So you're you're craft assistant, but a, like not higher, but it, it's kind of it's kind of weird, like the way it is. Um, basically, it's it's just a great foot in the door because it's like at the end of your two years of being a trainee, like you walk into it as uh, a second second assistant director, and like you don't have to pay like all of, like the crazy like fees and stuff like that. Um, so I hadn't moved anywhere yet because I was program and I ended up getting into like the I made it to the top 10 I got like flown out to New York all that and it actually was perfect I found out my first day on set when I got this other job as a production assistant uh I found out that I did not get in and it was the best thing that ever could have happened for me because like now that I have worked in this industry there is no way in hell I would ever want to be an assistant director <laughs> mm-hmm. so it was perfect because it was like if I had gotten if I had like it would have been career suicide to like be like I don't want to do the trainee program anymore yeah um, <laughs> so for like the best thing that could happen but yeah I ended up so for me it was uh I literally had we were looking at apartments in Atlanta Steph had actually come up by one of my very close friends um and we were looking at apartments because if I before I found out about the training I was leaning more towards Atlanta um, and I got a call one day, we were like sitting in the hotel room up here and I got a call and it was originally from the, uh, production designer. And she was like, I got your resume. I'm looking for like a PA to start, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, yeah, I can do it. And then when I ended up going in to meet with her, I got poached by the assistant director department. And that's how I became a set PA instead, which I've always said wow. that probably totally changed the course of career because I could give an art department a try. There's too much heavy lifting in art, though, so I wouldn't do well with that. But um, anyways, yeah, um, that's how I got my first job on set, which was honestly one of the worst experiences of my life. The first assistant director was one of the most horrendous, horrible, and mean women I've ever worked with. She, no, don't get me wrong, some people like that, and I don't know why, but one of the other PAs who I'm still friends with to this day, he absolutely worshipped our first assistant director. But I also think there was a little bit of an element where she liked to tear everyone down, but she only liked to build Mm -hmm. the males back up, I feel like, not so much the females. Yeah, not my favorite type of person. Each this day, if you mention her, he will just go on this rant about how much he loves her and how great she is and blah, blah, blah. I don't have as nice of things to say. I will say it was very gratifying. Um... It was last year, it was while I was in Tucson working on uh, the show I was working on there. She ended up actually calling me because she knew I coordinated now. And she was looking for a coordinator um, for whatever project she was working on. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not available right now. And it was so gratifying to be like, nope, no thanks. But anyways, yeah, that was just, it was just by chance, like just sent my resume in, which that's like laughable now looking at. It was all, like, student stuff on my resume, like, nothing professional. And a lot of times, like, I've been in the office on shows where even now, like, we'll send out, like, through, like, the film office or, like, through various outlets, like, hey, we're looking for, like, production assistance for, like, this show. It goes from, like, these dates to these dates. And there are some people who will send their, like, resumes in. And, like, they're just so sweet. Like, they either, like, just out of school and they have all their student stuff, and it's like a lot of times, like some people will just be like, kind of like not make fun of them, but I, I'm always like, you know what? Like I started there, and yeah. I'm like, as long Look as where you are now, 
exactly like as long as they're willing to put in the work like i'll give them a mm-hmm. chance a hundred percent um because that to me like i would rather have someone who doesn't know much and is very green but is willing to learn and like wants it rather than someone who is just like I've done this a couple times before. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, this is the way it's done. This is the only way it's done. Like, I can do a better job than, like, all these people. Like, just that. I hate that attitude. But uh, anyways, yeah. So pretty much I'd say if you're trying to get a job in this industry, it's just constantly, constantly, constantly trying to network with everyone you can. Look at whatever, wherever you're living, like, whatever outlets there are for, like, film offices, um, stuff, stuff like that. And definitely... I'd say not even just film offices, but if there are like any like uh, like on Facebook or like different types of social media, like like ATL production or like whatever city you're in, like production type things. Or if there's like local colleges, stuff like that, that have film programs, like go talk to their film professors, their film students. Honestly, just like anything under the sun that you can think of, just meet as many people and get to know as many people as you can, because that is how half of it happens like someone will just be like oh i i'm looking for blah 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 and then someone be like you know i just met this person here's their number why don't you give them a call and like it's crazy how many times i've seen stuff like that happen um just with networking you know, networking totally 100 percent. so that me i would say is the biggest thing you can do for yourself to get into this industry is just meet as many people as you can and take any opportunity you can get and you, because you, you said you went to undergrad and it wasn't, obviously we mentioned it wasn't for film, but you kind of always had a desire, mm-hmm. you said, to do a master's in fine art, what I think you said. So mm-hmm. if there are, like, someone listening right now that maybe did the undergrad in something not film related, is, or how, how else could they get into the field if they wanted to? So, like, would you recommend somebody, like, definitely go get a master's in fine arts or... There are other ways to get into it without going back to school. Cause I know like just from what we've heard from anyone that we've talked to that's in media in any way, like there's training that goes in, like you all have to be trained, like you have to study and there's a lot that goes into it. But are there other ways that if you haven't been in this field or like weren't studying this, you can get into film or production or any programs that are out there? Yeah, definitely. I think for this one, this one's definitely... I think one of the few where you you totally can get into this without a degree which i mean i'm a, i love i absolutely loved being in school i would be a career mm-hmm. student if i could so i'm obviously more on team go to school for it just because for me it's like having the freedom too of being like you know what when i've had it when i'm at the point where like i'm done i've had enough like i can just be like you know what i can just walk away and go do something else whereas a lot mm-hmm. of the people in my industry like if they were to go into a different uh, industry or field like they wouldn't be able to do that because mm-hmm. they don't have anything to fall back on so that's not saying like they couldn't go in like find an industry where they could be successful and still work their way up but i just feel like for me it's a lot easier that way but i mean for anyone looking to get in like even just like like just looking online and seeing like okay like what's filming right now um because just google you can find out like google twitter facebook stuff like that you can find out a lot of information on like what's happening where um and one of like uh, one thing that you can do uh, shows are always looking for background artists um so basically it's just people who are being extras and again depends on the show and like how tight lip they are in a given show and all that but like just that is a great way to go and like see what set is like and see 
you know, and you're getting paid for it. Um, and you're getting to go and like, while you're in background holding before you're actually on camera, like you're just going to be meeting people. And I know like in Savannah, there's a huge network of like extras in the area. And I mean, sometimes they find out about new projects coming in and stuff before I do. And I'm typically one of the first people on the ground in my job. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, where do you get the Intel from? Like I'm impressed. <laughs> But yeah, no, like anything like that, like you do not need to go to school per se. Um, but any anything that you can look into or anything that you can find where pretty much anything that you can get on in any capacity, like there's totally stuff where you do not need a degree. You can just mm. be any random person, just apply. And I know there's there's like websites, which I don't know like as much, but there are um, websites for like, like background actors, stuff like that, where you can basically go in submit all of like your information headshots so if there is a specific like look that they're looking for they'll be able to the casting director will be able to go to that and be like okay this person could work which i can get you guys the information on some of those um background oh, I, I want that personally because my bucket list is i want to be in the back and if i could at least get one role that's like here's your water sir <laughs> Oh my god! I, well, in my mind, I've made it. That, that I can actually that I can actually help with 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 uh, with making happen because me too. I please, actually, thank you. I, no, I just did uh, just this week. To my two of the girls that are PAs in my office right now, they both like ultimately want to go into acting. So we had talked to like casting about getting them in, possibly having them test for like a speaking role, but if not, like at least just background. Um, and so my assistant coordinator, Jocelyn, and my production secretary, Victoria, who uh, Jocelyn and I have worked together now for like four years, which is amazing in this industry to have been able to work together for like this long. And Victoria has worked with us pretty much almost for four years on and off. Um, but she started with us, I think it'll be four years this, this fall. Uh, she started with us while she was still an undergrad at SCAD as an intern. So, and she's now our secretary and she's come a long way. She's done great. Um, but the two of them were like, we want to be a background too. And I was like, why didn't you guys say anything to me? Like, of course you can be background. So I like, I email our uh, background casting coordinator and I was like, hey, I was like, so um, Victoria and Jocelyn both want to be background too. Let me know like what information you need for me. I'm like, depending on the schedule, like I can totally let them both be in the same scene if it's like, like a night shoot because then they can get their work done like earlier in the day or we can like coordinate who's doing what a bit differently but yeah no for something like that like let let me know because i, I will let you know background is easy <laughs> oh man i was actually trying awesome. to see if i could um get background for they were doing hocus pocus in providence yeah. and <laughs> i tried to apply and i'm like you know what? i should have just asked you so you i could see if you could like me. get me in there oh my god you should have asked me because <laughs> Uh, fun fact, one of my best friends actually worked in accounting on that show. And she lived she lived with my mom for a little bit while she was up there. Because I was like, I was like, why are you gonna spend money to like pay to live in an apartment? Because basically mm -hmm. when you're when you're hired like as a distant hire on a show, they'll pay your housing and they'll pay like your they'll pay you per diem. So basically with like uh the company that she was with on that one, it's a very good package deal every month for a distant hire in the multi-thousands that you just get every month so i was like why would you pay to live somewhere when you can live in, in you can just have my bedroom like stay with my mom like save all of your money um nice. but she did that and then the extras casting uh director on that show i'd actually worked with probably four years ago now 
Um, oh so I goodness. wish I had known. I could have just. I should have reached out to you. I don't know why I, I wasn't know. thinking. I should have totally reached out to you. Like, yo, can you get me in here? If I could just yeah. like, <laughs> just let me like slide in the background. Put a spell on you. <laughs> so next time there's anything that's up there, let me know. So back I will. To the girl, the girl who did that one, she does a lot of stuff up in New England. I think she's from Maine. Um, she's super, super, super cool and nice. So. I can totally text her for you. Oh, and you know what? This kind of goes into like my final question that I know I have for you. So like, I know how you said before when you originally were thinking about film, like, oh man, I just have to mostly focus on being like in Los Angeles. So what Mm -hmm. would you say to like the opportunity? Do you think it's really expanding more? I know like you've talked about some opportunities Mm -hmm. like in Atlanta. Um, Do you really see like it's kind of like global or are there some certain hubs that they should look for? What do you suggest? So I definitely think, I mean, over the past, uh, just in our life, like lifetimes, things have changed significantly, but especially between like the advent of reality has changed production a lot. And also now, like with all these streaming platforms that has changed things a lot um, in terms of that and just like all the technology just just changing. Like you don't have to be right in LA to like be doing things anymore. And I mean, even like this show right now, we that I'm on basically they have built like a sound stage within this like factory building um that we're like working out of which before it was like only California had them um but nowadays no you do not have to be just in California um it depends again depends on the show but I mean the one that we just did in Tucson um last year in theory they could have done it in LA but they were very specific about the look that they wanted and that was why they ended up taking it to Arizona because they wanted it to go to New Mexico because of the um the tax incentive program for film there there's a whole big to do with the studio back and forth for a couple months on where it was actually going to go and the creatives were just adamant about it going to Arizona because of the specific look it had which I mean, again, like I'm from the East Coast. I never realized until being out there how different Arizona and New Mexico actually look. Mm. Um, but they, yeah, they I've really seen pictures, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Um, and I was like, after seeing the two personally for the show, I was glad that we ended up like going to, to Tucson, even though there was like almost no infrastructure there, which made it a lot harder. But yeah, nowadays, like there's more of an outlet for the creatives to kind of pull or use their pull to get in different areas because it's not like just based in California. And also tax incentive programs in different states have made a huge impact on like where's where filming is taking place and that's part of why uh like georgia has gotten so big because they've had Mm -hmm. like a really good incentive program which the past couple of years especially like there are a lot of politicians who are trying to get rid of uh rid of it and that that goes into deeper like political views and stuff like that but i mean i think like a lot of like the more traditional southerners they don't like us hollywood liberals here i'm glad i got to help vote them out (laughs) But <laughs> but they're still, I mean, like, every year it comes up, it's a thing. Like, they're always trying to, like, get the, like, incentive laws, like, changed and, like, repealed and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's brought so much So many money. people, I feel like, even down to Georgia. It's, it's crazy. Like, just, like, and the amount of, like, money that it brings in, like, through taxes every year is just absolutely insane. And, like, just, I mean, it's how much it helps, like, local businesses, especially small businesses, mm-hmm. because... Basically, with like down in Savannah, so we have like the Georgia state incentive, and then on top of it, uh, the Savannah it's called CETA, they have an additional incentive on top of it. So, basically, like, you're you'll end up getting tax breaks or like money 
act like for what you've paid in taxes for like if it's like a local business to like the savannah like area you'll get more back on top of like just like the georgia incentive so like we're helping small businesses and giving them so much business mm-hmm. uh, and just seeing like just how much not that i'm i'm there I'm, I'm in atlanta now um but just seeing like how much like the savannah industry's changed like, since i started down there it's just insane like there are now houses uh like like camera houses that do like expendables down there which expendables are like all the like the little tools that like the camera and like other departments will need um stuff that basically like they use and like you know it's literally expendable like once you use it it's done but stuff like that and just seeing like how many businesses be able to grow it's it's really it can really be anywhere for sure um and that's why a lot of states in recent years like have tried to pass different incentive programs and stuff like that um, to get shows to to come, you know, to their states. Like when I first started, Kentucky had gotten really big for a little while. Uh, allegedly, I don't know how true that is, but now I guess Oklahoma is really trying. And they actually just had a friend who just did a show out there. So you'll see like little states every so often pop up that are, they, they're trying to like expand their programs and stuff like that. But yeah, it's really it's really anywhere, and you just always have to, like keep your eye out and just be on the lookout for what's filming where. And there's actually uh, a really good resource, which you have to pay for, but a really good resource is called Production Weekly. And it's basically like a weekly bulletin that goes out that gives you, it's like 40 pages of every film and television production, like not necessarily in the world, but like there are like overseas ones. Like there's a lot of like European ones that'll come up there. Some like Asian ones. Um, I feel like I don't ever recall seeing like any like bollywood type of like stuff on there but there there are different ones from like all over the world um and it'll give you like here's the show here's the producers here's if if they're at the point where they know like where the production office is going to be like here's the address oh wow here's like a point of contact so basically you can then reach out and be like oh hey like i heard you have this this show filming in like austin texas like i'm a local and i'm looking to just like what I've done in the past, like I'm looking to get involved however I can, blah, blah, blah. And like just reach out and like you never know. That's awesome. So, it's really cool. Yeah. That's the same question too. No, thank you for asking that, Kimmy. Because yeah, I always see, well, I watch a lot of Marvel movies and they all, well, mm-hmm. big movies really like a lot of movies lately, you have George, like the Georgia logo. And I know Georgia's mm-hmm. like a really popular place. I live in North Carolina. I know the host is really big with um, yep, Wilmington. Several, yeah, yeah, in the last several years. But that's good. That's good for anyone listening to know because also living needs to play a factor in where you decide to live. Mm-hmm. LA is wild, so I know I'm sure George <laughs> is like getting up there. But it, it is it's you know, crazy but, seeing how much it's changed. I'm sorry I mm-hmm. cut you off. Just seeing mm-hmm. how cheap it was when I first started working here compared to now. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a fun rental story. But anyways, <laughs> I cut you off. So I apologize. No, 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 you're fine. But no, I think that I was saying like just mindful of cost of living. But well, no, I want to hear your rental story. We can please share it, and then I have a I have a last question that's more probably just for me again. But I want to hear your story too. Well, no, it's not really that much of a story. I've just been dealing with when I came back here from Tucson. We were like down in Savannah for two days, then went home to my mom's in Rhode Island for the holidays for like a week and a half. And then came here, uh, back to Atlanta, and this Atlanta show was, like, completely last minute. Like, I was still finishing the other show remotely, um, and we just basically took what we could find for a rental house, and 
place that I was in for several months, which was horrible. And the landlady like keeps harassing me, uh, like even up through this week, because she's she's crazy. But anyways, <laughs> I'm of what I was paying for like that rental, which is like 40, 40, 45 minutes outside of the city compared to what I was paying like four years ago. And I had my first rental here, which was like also furnished more than double of what I was paying for something like right in the city before. Like wow. it's insane how much the prices have gone up. But anyways, yeah. So mm. it's not as cheap here, unfortunately, as it once was. But definitely still cheaper oh, than New York and LA, so I can't mm-hmm. complain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, my last question, like I said, is probably more for yeah. me, but maybe somebody wants to know too. I just want you to name drop. So I want to know the your most like your favorite show that you favorite show or product product that you've done and yeah. most well known person. Like, well, the most known person that you've you've met, if that makes it does. Yes. So, I would have to say my favorite show that I've worked on, and my favorite person that I've worked with are probably two different things. I'd have to say my favorite show that I've worked on. I would have to say it's definitely uh, one that we did for Amazon called The Underground Railroad, um, and that one was with Barry Jenkins, and it was. And to this day, like most of the crew who who worked on it, like people who have been in this business longer than I've been alive, people who've just done like amazing things, like they one of the guys on it did like Avatar, they've done like a bunch of Marvel movies, just like crazy big stuff. I mean, obviously, if you know a decent amount about the industry, you probably are familiar with Barry Jenkins. He won the Oscar in 2016 for Moonlight. And that one I'd have to say was my favorite because it was hands down the most like rewarding one I think uh, not I think I know that I've ever worked on and Barry was just such an amazing leader like it was just crazy seeing people who 30 40 years in this industry would be like walking out of meeting just like oh my god this show is such a beast like just no getting ahead of like what's coming up you know and Barry was just an amazing leader and never forgot where he came from and never forget never forgot like never let like his success go to his head and his sole focus is just on the creatives and the story and like the story he's telling that to me is just so refreshing and amazing because you do work with some directors and other people who you just see them like they just lose themselves and maybe some of them never really like were in it for the right reasons to begin with but i mean he it was always about the story and about characters being able to tell you know their story and moving the story forward and as insane and let's see that one we survived we had a hurricane evacuation we had the covid shutdown we had three days left um when everything with covid and that march happened and we were the last show in atlanta to actually shut down because they were trying so hard we'd had i think it was like 120 something day shoot and they were like we just have to get through the last three days and we had Mm -hmm this huge scene towards the end of that one where there's a house that like catches fire and burns down. And typically you'll try to get a lot of exterior and like, well, that actually was interior. A lot of it. Um, but you'll typically try to do a lot of that like earlier on in, in the show when you're, when you're scheduling, but this one, it was the way it worked out schedule wise. That was like our only option was to do it at the end. And of course we just wanted to get the, the the house being burnt, you know, scene done and COVID happened. So we had to go back like six months later to finish. Wow. But it was just crazy. And it was just ultimately like just so rewarding. And I mean, honestly, like I can't think of one person on that show who wouldn't say it was probably 
one of the, if not the toughest thing they've ever worked on. But because of that, it was just so rewarding. And especially like, I feel like for my job and like other jobs, you never really feel like because you're, if if you're not in like, you know, uh, you're not the director or something like that, you never really feel like it's yours, so to speak. That one just we all just like feel like put our heart and souls into it to the point where like we just it just for all of us just felt like like we did this you know it was just awesome and just such a like sense of community and it's just a good sense of like literally took every single person who put everything that they had into this to make it happen so for me that one i'd have to say was my favorite uh hardest first well i don't even say it's the hardest like in retrospect, I've I think I've done harder. Um, I, th- I would have to say the one that I did in Tucson was probably the hardest altogether that I've ever worked on for a number of reasons. But overall, I'd have to say that one was hardest and most uh, gratifying one I think I've worked on, and definitely my favorite. But I have to say, in terms of <laughs> in terms of actors that I've worked with, so I I like to avoid or <laughs> I don't I don't want to say I, I like to avoid them, but. I typically have to deal with like the agents and managers and stuff Mm. like that and the problems. So I can kind of seem at times like a very like one-sided perspective of it. And what I've learned is a lot of times, like a lot of the requests are actually not coming from the artists themselves. A lot of times it's just like the agents and managers just trying to do the best that they can for their client. But sometimes it's like, okay, be a little bit like more friendly and less demanding about it because it's kind of making us not like your client and... That's not great. I don't know if they know that. I have to say for actors I've worked with, one of my favorites, and this was just such a full circle, like one for me, uh, was when I got to work with Shia LaBeouf. I was going to say. Cammy's heard the story. So it was so it, cool. It was it was so cool. Like he that day he came to the office and all of a sudden I look up and like my boss is talking to Shia LaBeouf and I'm just like, oh my God, because like I was in love with him when I was in middle school. Like <laughs> I just it was just like, oh, my God, 12 year old me would not even believe this right now. <laughs> so all of a sudden Shia LaBeouf is walking over to my desk and he extends his hand and he's like, hi, I'm Shia. And I'm like, hi, I'm Emily. And I had just gone for my birthday. Um, one of my friends who's a sound mixer, uh, Kevin, he had got me for my birthday this like custom pimp cup on, S- on Etsy. And I had it on my desk. I was like using it to like put pens and stuff in. And so Shia walks over to my desk and introduces himself. And I'm like, hi, I'm Emily. And he goes, he looks down at the pimp cup and he's like, oh, he's like, yeah, the office pimp. Emily, the office pimp. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> This Tim, yep. Um, so his people had been calling all morning out. They'd send him this like, like gift, which a lot of times agents and managers will do, like to say like congratulations, like do a great job, please don't embarrass us, blah blah blah. So they'd been calling all day and they're like, Has Shy gotten his gift yet? Has Shy gotten his gift yet? And we're like, You have his travel itinerary, like he's not even here yet. After like Shy introduced himself and stuff, my boss is like, Oh, by the way, like your agent has been calling all morning to make sure you got this. Uh they send it for you, like it's like a welcome gift. He goes and like he starts unwrapping it and um he's like his face and he just looks kind of confused and i see him kind of like look back at my desk and then he looks back at the picture and he goes emily the office pimp and i'm like yes office pimp here and he's like here he's like uh this is for you and he hands me he unwraps the package which is this huge um it's this huge uh photograph it's a frame photograph of rick ross with <laughs> swanky um like this swanky like art gallery that's in West Hollywood and it was like signed by the original artist who took the photo who he's um 
particularly like a photographer from Rolling Stone, I was just like, I can't take this. And he's like, you're the office pimp. You have to take it. <laughs> At that point, I knew I was like leaving the show a bit early. So I was like, I'm keeping it. Like, no. <laughs> but I'm like, later that day, like the producers had come into my office and they're like, what's that? It's a gift from Shia. And they're like, you're keeping it? And I'm like, yeah, I'm keeping it. It was a gift from Shia. Um, <laughs> I typically... I just keep it in my office, which this mm. is my office that's not set up yet because I just moved. <laughs> so it's still wrapped up. It's not hanging yet. But to this day, like, I just keep it in my office hanging because it's just such a cool thing where it's, like, like I could only have, like, dreamed of that happening as a kid and just mm. being, like, oh, my God, like, I actually did that. Like, yeah, Emily would be so, like, be, like, didn't like did you really that's so cool so he i'd have to say that was probably for me one of like the coolest moments of meeting a celebrity but i have worked with like others like uh cammy's heard all of my fun john cusack stories oh cool okay he i i have encountered uh several times now which funny because he has no idea that when i hear his name now i'm just like oh no not john like the first big ones I ever interacted with and I was super awkward and like this was back in the day when like you come up in school knowing like you absolutely do not speak to talent unless spoken to so I didn't want to say hi to him and the second assistant director one day on set was like Emily go ask John blah 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 and I was like but he's talking and he's like Emily just go ask and I'm like oh my god okay so I walk up and I'm like um hi and actually I was supposed to go ask one of the other actors something and he was sitting there, so I'm like, hi, I'm like, I'm just checking to make sure, like, the new caterer is okay and blah, blah, blah. And John kind of just sits back and, like, holds his arms and is looking at me. And I'm, like, not making eye contact all awkwardly. <laughs> and so the uh, the girl, uh, her name was Willa, she was like, yeah, uh, the new caterer is great, blah, 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 blah. And John goes, hi. I go, hi. How are you? And I was just like, it was just so awkward. And it, it was so weird and completely uncomfortable. That's my only interaction with John on that show. Um, but I heard tons of fun stories from other people. That and I did a lot of his like errands, unfortunately, for him. I was at like three in the morning trying to find 24-hour breakfast places that could make his very specific turkey bacon breakfast burrito. I understand that he likes a breakfast burrito with four specific ingredients which is turkey bacon feta cheese spinach egg whites however to me a breakfast burrito like that could go a number of different ways like oh turkey bacon has a very specific texture like does he want the strips in the burrito does he want them chopped up in the burrito does he want them on the side like i don't know there weren't any specifics that were given to me so i literally was i texted the upm and i was like i'm just letting you know it's probably gonna be like 150 bucks for john's breakfast order because i'm getting every combination imaginable i'm like getting with rice inside not rice like he only said four ingredients i don't know ended up loving the breakfast burritos to this day i don't know which one in particular that he ended up liking the most which combination but he did like it that's all i know um but he i have i have so i have so many crazy stories from working with him like he's just funny and i think he's the type too having been in the business as long as he has he he's one of those who knows like just gonna keep asking for things until they say no and i can't blame him because half the time depending on who you're working with for producers like if they if they're like a little bit more like on the pushover side like limit does not exist for what they'll be willing to do even if they don't know how they're going to pay for it ended up working with him again a couple of years later indirectly uh on a show that his girlfriend um was directing 
it was a little indie film called Alice. Um, and he wasn't in it, but he just came to visit. And it was funny because some of the things I had to do, like, the first time around, just be- mainly, again, because the producers, like, entertained some of his, like, more obscure requests, like, the day he left, having to find him a helicopter because he didn't want to have a layover in Atlanta. No, he would have had to have had a layover in Atlanta anyway from the, the helicopter going from Savannah to Atlanta. Which it didn't end up happening. I had everything arranged and ready to go, but we didn't end up pulling the trigger on it. But I saw like that he was going to be on this other show or that he was going to be visiting. I was like, oh no, like what crazy requests are going to be? There were no crazy requests from him on that one, luckily. That was wild. Yeah, he's he's funny. He's funny uh, from the very minimal conversations I've had with him. But now it's gotten to the point where all these people that like you fangirl over like right now the show i'm working on um robin wright is actually our director for the last episode and she comes into town tomorrow i'll say i'm like a little bit nervous about meeting her just because she like is a pretty big name and like has been in like some really 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 cool stuff um so all like this last week you know us in the, the office were like oh my god like i hope she's nice i hope she's not mean but so far her assistant's been lovely uh so that's always a good sign um but we'll see but yeah it's for the most part you start to get like more used to like they're just real people but there definitely are people that you're still like okay like this one's pretty cool that let's see i've worked with jj abrams on the slasher that i just did in tucson he was so cool I got to see him, uh, actually, my assistant coordinator, Jocelyn, she, oddly enough, had a tattoo of the character that he voiced in Star Wars. Oh, wow. It's on her leg. And so she, we were like, Jocelyn, you have to show him. You have to show him. You have to show him. Because he was only in town briefly. He worked, like, mainly remotely. All of a sudden, I just happened to be turning the corner the day that he came to, uh, like, our stage. And... I see Jocelyn showing him the tattoo on her leg and J.J. Abrams was fangirling over her tattoo. He was like, he's like, oh my God. He was like, that is so cool. Do you mind if I take a picture? Like, he's like, I don't want to be like weird because it's on your leg, but like, can I take a picture? Like, that is so cool. And That's was so just, cool. Like, I literally just walked into one of my best friends having J.J. Abrams fangirl over her tattoo. Like, how cool is that? But yeah, awesome. no, I've worked with <laughs> For the most part, I'd say the best ones that I've worked with are the ones who have always not let things go to their head and like have always stayed true to being an artist and stayed true to just being like a filmmaker who their you know your focus is ultimately about telling the story Mm -hmm. so yeah i'd say the best of the best that i've worked with those are all the ones that have been like that and i think that's contributed to a lot of their success it's awesome no thank you i was like i have to have to ask you gotta ask (laughs) yeah like to to wrap it up i was like yeah you gotta name drop something but that's really cool to know i feel like just a lot of the industry or anything really just staying grounded. That's for, for all Big of time. us. So that's, that's a good way to, to close it out. But thank you so much, Emily, for sharing. Thank you this for having me. So, cool. so much fun. Yeah, no, this is a lot of fun. I'm going to ask you more questions at later times too, probably. I got but, totally. <laughs> thank you so much, Emily. As always, we'll thank make you. sure if Emily, if you're willing to like share, or, like have your information in the show notes, have people reach out to you. We can totally. include that in our different platforms but um, everyone thank you so much for listening as always you know that there are many ways to support we appreciate the likes the shares the subscribing to our podcast if you want to bless us monetarily our venmo is always in the show notes along with our social media platforms so we just thank thank you everyone for just being a part of this ride with us we have a lot more great one uh, great interviews coming up so thank you so much and We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. See you. Bye.
Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to the latest episode of Your Advisors. We'll see you now. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages and check out our website. Take a look at the show notes below. And please make sure to subscribe and share this podcast. Also, show us some love and please leave a five-star review. Catch you next time. See ya.